Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops, with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops, for psychological operations, is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think, and ultimately, how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Hello! Welcome to the 266th episode of Cinema PsyOps. That is 266 straight, consecutive, bi-curious, all mixed up, and we don't know what we're going to do about it weeks of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court. You should recognize the name. Now you have the voice to it. And the name Matt has its own voice, and here it is. Hey, this is the Matt voice. (laughs) <laughs> so what I want to know is if if we get to 666 uh-huh. episodes, yeah, well, is, is that just gonna be like another show? Because you know that would be too too on the nose. Or, or are you gonna go like really balls to the wall, like insane? Uh, it depends because that would pretty much be our last episode. That, that would be it. Do you think the that? Do you think that's the, the like what ends the world? No, no. If we make it to 600 episodes, I'll be ready to quit anyway. But I know me. Yeah. We hit 600 as soon as we hit 666. Yeah. I'll, I'll do just that, and then that's it. We'll stop. Then we'll be done. Yeah, that'll be fucking. We'll be- and we won't even announce we're going to be done. You're going to cut this part out of the show right now. No, and we'll I'm going to leave it in because nothing I say is really binding uh, on the show anyway. I can change my mind at any fucking point I want. That's true. It's not like we're signing a contract with these people. You can do whatever you want. It's <laughs> yeah. not like this is some deal with the fucking weird devil or something. Yeah, and spoiler alert, we're ending the show at 300. At 300? Oh, shit. 40 left. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did I hear 275? 275. Sold! Sold! 280, 280, 280, 280! I gotta watch. I'm having trouble breathing tonight. Ugh, fuck. Uh-oh. You all right? Uh, well, other than the fact that my wife tried to light my house on fire, I'm fine. Oh, really? Yeah, it wasn't intentional. Um, oh, well, I mean, I would assume so. Yeah. Your wife see, your wife is a is a lovely lady. It doesn't seem like the type who would just go, you know what? Fuck this joint. I'm out. And just light a place ablaze. You know well, what I mean? Right. She just got home, like, right before we're ready to record. Uh-huh. And so we could have dinner together. We set up a quick meal. And she went to turn on a burner to heat up some water for rice. So she turned it on full blast. The problem is she's got a really nasty habit of setting stuff to be stored on the burners on the stove that you shouldn't be putting there. One of yeah. the things that she put there was a big old plastic tray for different sweet treat brownies and a bunch of other nice stuff like that. Ooh. So that's the burner that she turned up full blast sitting on top of this like really thin, flimsy, shitty plastic tray that is filled with all of these various sugary treats that she has with a lid and all of that. You know, it was like a it was a gift someone gave her like a bunch of these like cheesecake bites or something like that. And she had that sitting on the stove and that's the burner that she turned on because she was in a hurry and she wasn't really paying attention to what she's doing. Anybody could fucking do that. That's I'm not blaming her. I'm not angry at her. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's an honest mistake. Right, but I get up to start talking to her when she's walking out and gonna go change while she's waiting for the water to heat up because she's getting out of her work clothes, getting into comfortable clothes and stuff. And I scream, holy shit, what is smoking oh my God, there's a fire. And she goes darting into the kitchen because she's just coming out of the kitchen and because she knows what she did, she realized it almost immediately. And that yeah. plastic tray is what's smoking really, really bad. And it's and, got a, I mean, the smell level in there cannot be uh, friendly either. No, it smelled horrible. Like, Just totally molten, burning plastic. I Uh, hate that shit. Luckily, the tray itself was um, really thin, like I said. So what ended up being the really horrible burning smell mostly was all of those sweet treats that she just cheated herself out of. Oh, she had oh, that's like, even worse. She had like, like let's say there's like 3,000 things in there, right? Let's say yeah. she had a handful and the rest are melted and ruined. Oh. So uh. what should have been a nice relaxing dinner with my yeah. wife and I just kind of chilling out, watching TV and having a quick meal before we get ready to record turned into me running around the house like a maniac, ripping every window open as quick as possible uh, after she got the, the tray moved off the burner and the burner was shut off and everything. And we got the, the gist of the burning stuff done and then setting up fans and like trying to get you know air going and all of that kind of stuff coughing my ass off smelling all this horrible burning plasticky smell and um the cats are terrified and like running off and hiding and then right (laughs) of course so then she immediately once the burner cools off she starts trying to scrape off the plastic and clean it off i thought it was ruined because what looked like melted pieces of the burner or a part of the burner that might have gotten shorted out and started melting was actually just like plastic and cake stuff mixed together and burnt. So once she got it cleaned off uh, relatively well, I plugged it back in and then slowly started heating it up. And then we got it cleaned a little bit more and now it's kind of taken care of, but there's still a bunch of drippy, clear plastic. Luckily, it's clear plastic and it's not all 100% on fire, but basically it's all dripped down below the actual high heat part of the burner. So we just have to scrape that off. And then maybe when we cook on that burner, we won't have our house reek like a goddamn plastic factory that yeah. <laughs> that had a mishap. And that could happen anyway. I, I Not as bad, uh-huh. but a while ago we had one of those, uh, you know, like plastic microwave you know, cover things you can put over like a bowl of food so it doesn't explode all over your microwave. Right, we got and one too. That, yeah. Yeah. 
I uh, one day I uh, took that out just to cook some hot dogs, and I had forgotten that my wife had boiled a pot of water, and it's not like you could feel the heat or anything. I just set it down, and when I went to go pick it back up, it had already kind of melted, like everything got stringy. It was a bitch to clean, and I felt like such a jackass. It was just one of those things where you're like, oh, fuck, and it was barely down there for any amount of time before I was like, hey, wait, I think my wife was just using this, and then, yep, sure enough. And it's just a nuisance. Well, we have one of those as well. And actually, it's a little melted because I knocked it into one of the burners while she was cooking something. So uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mishaps like this fucking happen, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a not kitchen a kitchen mishap, man. That yeah. shit happens. Yeah. But so we're running around. We're trying to deal with all these toxic fumes. And I totally forgot we were recording tonight. Like, I just didn't even think about it because we moved it a day. And yeah. so she's like, you know, do you want me to heat up the food, you know, for you? I thought she yeah. meant that I was getting impatient and I was hungry, you know, because yeah. I eat one meal a day and I wait for her as best yeah. I can with this this eating plan that I'm on. And uh, I was like, no, no, we're fine. And then she's like, aren't you recording with Matt tonight? I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, we better heat those sausages. <laughs> we better totally <laughs> heat those sausages up. This is not good, you know? So uh, this isn't even this isn't even the worst thing that happened to me this week. All right. Well, and it's only well, okay. fucking Tuesday of the week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's Tuesday, so this is already great. What, what happened to you? Fucking Ricky Morgan is what fucking happened to me. What the fuck did Ricky do? He's trading on my name to try and get listeners to a fucking bullshit show that I won't even say the fucking name of so uh, that uh, he's using my name to try and get listeners to his show. He said that he had me on his show and then he played this robot voice that's saying a bunch of shit about how it got beat up by little people bikers and that's why it had to use a robot voice because the larynx got crushed or some shit. Then he had the robot voice say some shit about how it likes to insert objects into its anus that are tiny or smaller objects, right? Well, now the Facebook group makes a whole lot more sense. What the fuck is that about? Right. Then he had to say some shit about um, me putting gas in a, my moped and that's why I got beat up. I don't even remember what all the bullshit was. But the thing that pisses me off the most is he had the robot voice say that I listen to the show and that I like it. No, Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. You that's don't, false advertising. Right. You don't get to use my name to sell your fucking show. Now, do I realize that by me bitching about this on my fucking show, people will probably go over and try and find what fucking show we're talking about or even reach directly out to this fucker? I mean, we had a very short-term brokered piece that was all about Danny from Hail Ming fixing everything because he uh-huh. reached out to you first yeah. and talked to you and he smoothed shit over with you and then you guys worked on smoothing shit over with me and then there was just this real uneasy piece between me and Ricky for a real fucking long time and we were getting along great like we were having a lot it was of fun like the cold, it was like Cold War shit yeah all fucking over again so now my lungs yeah. are full of fucking melted plastic but the rest of me is filled with fucking hate and vitriol for Ricky right now yeah fu- well, I mean, you know what? F- f- fuck you, Ricky. You can't do that. No, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Of course, I'm in Camp Cord on this one. That's, that's fucked up. You can't just use someone's name like that shit. Right now, having said that, Anthony Michael Hall now fully endorses Cinema Psyops. <laughs> of course, he does. I have always known that he loved this show. It's unbelievable how much he loves this show. And if anybody calls us out on that, they're just fucking jealous. Well, the reason that he loves the show so much is because it's from one of the greatest roles that he's ever produced, which was in The Dead Zone. He was like amazing as Johnny Smith in that TV show. Yeah, not. A really amazing TV show, but at the time it was quite groundbreaking and really, really good. And he was yeah. the pinnacle of that show. He was so amazing. So, of course, our mutual love of that show that made us friends and then eventually 
actually made this show happen. Of course, he's going to go ahead and endorse Cinema PsyOps and say what a wonderful show it is. Of course, Anthony Michael Hall is endorsing Cinema PsyOps. It would be insane if he wasn't. Yeah, it would be completely nuts of us to just keep name dropping people like Anthony Michael Hall, who absolutely love this fucking podcast. We are all aware that Anthony Michael Hall loves Cinema PsyOps. We all know that. (laughs) I think we've driven our point home enough now. Let's just take the fucking break. All right. Uh, Look, folks, I know things are tough all over right now, but the Legion GoFundMe thing, uh, in order for us to be doing the giving contributions, which we are very open about what happens whenever those contributions are given up and uh, helped out, but our funds have dried up for that. And unless someone donates to the Legion GoFundMe, we can't really do any more good work in the name of the network with that fund. Now, that's totally fine if no one can afford to or doesn't want to or what have you but i'm gonna keep playing the promo and if you are donating to it let me know i want to hear it this is Bo from legionpodcasts.com hey it's been a crazy time and when the world gets nuts we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment but for some folks getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days people who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale, take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. that I just went ahead and like a cheesy motherfucker just, uh, you know, picked the music right out of the movie and I'd like to lie and say that that's what this is from, but yeah. it's just another public domain little like interlude thing. It sounds almost exactly like a lot of the music that's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, the movie had a lot of generic type of music. Library, so. library music. This is uh, yeah. this is spun off of the same camp that produced Night of the Living Dead. There's a lot of the same folks that, uh, okay. that aren't Romero that went on to do this, and we'll kind of discuss that as we get into the review. Uh, today, this was a confusing fucking movie. Yeah, well, this film, The Majorettes, has kind of a long and storied creation, um, which I'll try and condense down a little bit. There's a there's a lot of stuff that happened to it, but uh, I think. I think the best place to really get started in explaining what the fuck's going on in the movie is the trailer. All righty then. The high school majorettes. They're so popular, so pretty, and so desirable. You just can't take your eyes off them, and that's enough to get them killed. One by one by one. He knows who we all are. And if he's determined to come after us one by one, one by one, gives me the creeps. One by one, they're never too young. They're never too old. They're never too late to give the last performance of their lives. Leave it to the co-author of The Night of the Living Dead to take the majorettes apart. So, the co-author of Night of the Living Dead, do you know who that is, Matt? I have no idea who that is. John Russo. All right, so one went from Night of the Living Dead to Daughter of the Dead, and the other went from Night of the Living Dead to the Majorettes. Not directly to the Majorettes. Oh. There was a bunch of other stuff that ended up happening, but John Russo co-wrote the script for Night of the Living Dead with George A. Romero. Now, we talked about they split their separate ways. One of them got of the dead for their titles. The other one got of the living dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because then Russo does Return of the Living Dead. Exactly. Russo wrote the script for Return of the Living Dead, and I think he was going to end up directing it at some point, but a bunch of stuff happened in Turnover, ended up with Dan O'Bannon and William Stout, and we've already talked about that movie. Everybody knows about all that stuff. He, yes. There's a there's a bunch of other like movies and projects and things like that, but there's a good portion of the people from Night of the Living Dead that are also in the movie, and I don't know if you recognized any of them, but they are there. Oh, interesting. I probably didn't. I'm very interested, though, that to talk about it. All right, then. The Majorettes. Uh, in the first 20 minutes, here we go. We start out with a nice little kind of montage of the, what I'm assuming the Majorettes practicing. They seem to be like a, a baton twirling squad. Not really a cheerleading squad, but like, uh, you know, a, a baton twirling squad. That kind of thing. Did you not have Majorettes in your high school at all? No. No, I mean, I, we had um, we had the dance squad, the cheerleading squad, and I believe like that. I, I I know it's another squad, but it's like a baton squad because they all did shit with the batons and shit. That's the majorettes. That's the majorettes. Okay. Yeah, well, ma- yeah majorettes. We... Majorettes are the baton twirling and yeah. dancing and performing parts, and they usually end up doing the parades, and they're like an extension of the marching bands. Usually. Yeah, yeah. I think ours. At least when I was in high school, my high school, I think they just merged that with the marching band and didn't give it another separate name because we, I believe we just had marching band, dance squad, and then the cheer squad. And I think that was it. Okay. So, well, um, it's more, but, it, I think majorettes and stuff like that was more uh, definitely around this time frame in the eighties is when it was popular. Like I remember when I was a kid, one of my babysitters was a majorette. Yeah. We didn't call them majorettes, yeah. but when I was a kid and my sister was in high school i remember she was friends with people who did that yeah. so and, and it wasn't called majorettes I, I think it was literally called baton squad 
And but there you go. So I I knew of it. Mm. Um. Anyway, during all this, we see a nerd kids taking some photos. One of the girls seems to be kind of flirting with him, and a creepy janitor is just sort of watching, and he's being real fucking sus. He's being real fucking sus, Court. Sus <laughs> as a fuck. What is it with fucking janitors in high schools and being all creepy at fucking teenage and being girls? All, and being all suspect and shit. I don't know, man. They. You know what? You gotta think like in the eighties, like there's just this normal janitors just doing their fucking job and like fucking thanks movies you really fucking me over here i just tried to be a normal guy and go to work every day there's a few janitors in horror films and stuff like that with schools that are not creeps and they're actually good guys but everybody thinks they're fucking creeps yeah everyone thinks they're a creep and then like at the very end they're like no i'm trying to help you all and then they usually get murdered for their efforts yeah and then there's this film where it's a very serious moral gray area on whether or not the guy actually is a creep i'm going to say right now film the things this janitor does later on make him absolutely a creep oh he's a fucking creep he's sus and he's a creep yeah <laughs> let's, yeah. let's move on we spent way too much time on this fucking character <laughs> he's a fucking creep uh then we cut to the girls are in the locker room you know getting changed showering uh, that that sort of stuff and they're kind of talking you, movie. there's some nudity thank, yeah thank you movie um and it makes us no better than uh, uh we see creepy janitor dude go into a room and he's watching through the vent and taking pictures. So uh, while I'm decrying him and I'm like, wow, you sick fucking pervert, I realize I'm no fucking better than him. Ah, but you are, Matt, because what you are watching is a bunch of actresses paid to undress in a locker room. So you are not the creep in this scenario because what you are actually watching is women who have consented to be filmed naked for this film, which you are now consuming. You are not the guy behind the vent with the camera. Thank you, Court. Thank you. That helps me and it makes me feel better. Thank you. What you need to feel guilty about is only if you thought in your mind, boy, I wish that locker room when I was a kid had some kind of vent like that so I could take a camera there. That's when you cross the line and it's wrong. That's when you're like, yeah, that's then you're a fucking then you're 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 a real piece of shit. Yeah. uh, Yeah. No, that's fucking gross. Um, Anyway, as they're talking, they talk about like the nerd kid and one of the girls is like, no, he's cute. And then they talk about creepy fucking janitor dude. And the the kind of the the girl named Vicky, it seems to be kind of the leader almost of the squad. She's like, no, he's harmless. Uh, Her, his mom takes care of her grandma, apparently. Um, and like I said, all the while this is going on, he's taking pictures through the vent. So he's not harmless. He's, he's, he's a fucking sex offender at this point. In the 1980s, Uh, what he's doing is quote unquote harmless. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Fucking, uh, uh, porkies and shit. Yeah. Okay. Listen, this is also the same time in which nerd wears a mask pretending to be somebody else and, and pretty much rapes a girl. So fuck that. Yes. All of your eighties movies that say that some of these sexual exploits are harmless fun are in fact encouraging sexual assault. Yes. Big time. Big and time. We all have to deal with that as a collective group. We do. We have to deal with that and I'm fine dealing with it. Uh, but I mean, holy fuck. Um, you know, we have enough people who project their horse shit so anyway um then we cut to the nurse and she's kind of pushing the grandma around the chair um the grandma 
isn't talking. She seems to be in some sort of a condition. And uh, then uh, she's kind of telling her, this nurse, like, oh, when you die, I'm going to sell the things you've collected. And then she's like, but what are we going to do to take care of that granddaughter of yours? So it sounds like the nurse has some very nefarious things she fucking wants to do, and it's not really cool. Yes, the nurse is also a fucking creep and terrifying. Yeah, so, I mean, none of this is good. Can we play our favorite fucking game on Cinema PsyOps of find the character you can equate yourself to? Because so far, no one. Yeah, none for me. That's a big none. Maybe the nerdy camera guy. Maybe. Yeah, he's kind of okay. I, I, I mean, I can identify with being a fucking nerd. I, I didn't really wasn't good at taking pictures, so I don't know anything about that. The nerd part, I fucking get. You well, know, well, and he's very polite, and he's actually making sure that he's taking photos in a way that the ladies are aware of what he's doing, and you know, he's out I mean, of the he way looks to let like them he's, do their routine and stuff. He's doing his yeah, work the way there, that he should without being a perv. Uh, yeah, th- he's there doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right. Um, that's how you take photos of ladies with their yes. knowledge and consent. Yeah. Yes, and that they, when they've asked you to do so. Exactly. So, you know, everyone could just, you know, people need to calm the fuck down. Then, oh, no, it's harmless fun. No, it's, it's fucking not. So, anyway, later on that night, one of the girls who had been flirting with the nerd kid, she takes him out kind of the middle of the forest. And they stop, and they start making out and kind of really getting into it. And you feel like kind of good for the nerd kid. You're like, hey, that kid feels lucky just to be there. Um, And, and you think, hey, listen, things are going well for him. So, you know something's getting ready to go wrong. Wrong, because if this is a horror movie, nothing ever goes right for the fucking nerd kid. Really, not ever. Uh, usually, <laughs> that poor nerd son of a bitch, he's going to get ready. He thinks he's going to like have the fucking night of his life, and he's going to get excavated in some fucking sense. So, sorry, kid. Life's not going to go well for you at this point. Uh, and We should also talk about the conversation that they have before and after the makeout and somewhat sex session. Okay, well, before the makeout, they talk. She talks about how you know he's like you know not a lot of girls look at me that way or think of me that way, and she's like, well, I do, and she she's telling him how much she likes him, all that kind of shit. So I mean, she she's trying to fucking I don't know, man. I, I, I what you think is wow, this is really nice for him. Things are you know finally looking up for this poor son of a bitch. You know has he knows she's probably like I'm. We can't wait till I tell dad I'm not a fucking loser, and maybe he'll let me back in the fucking house. Um, wow, you were full of fucking hate and vitriol for this poor kid. I well, fucking I. You know what? We've watched enough of these fucking things, and I've seen enough of these poor fucking nerds just get the fucking shit end of the fucking stick. All right. Well, <laughs> everyone else. Well, if some fucking Chad survives with the fucking cheerleader at the very fucking end, and this poor fucking kid didn't ask for shit, and he just got fucking murdered all the fucking time. Wow, Matt Psyop, you sure are sounding like a guy who is involuntarily celibate over there. <laughs> using terms like Chad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, the thing that I was trying to fucking talk about is they pull into the forest and she has him stop and he goes, I thought we were going to the drive-in. Yeah, you thought they were going to go to the movies. I it's found like the can... guy that I can equate myself to. He's upset <laughs> they're not going to the drive-in. That character must be me. And she's like, you can hold me like we're watching a horror movie. Right. And when she said that, I'm like, sold. This girl's good. So anyway, um, as they start making out, it looks like, hey, man, this is going to get pretty hot and fucking heavy. She stops it. And she says she can't do it to him. It's too easy. She apologizes. And she tells him that she's actually pregnant by another guy. They're talking. And she's like, uh, she's pregnant by this guy named Mace, who's like the local town big drug dealer. 
and she's asking them what they should do, and we see, of course, somebody stalking from the fucking outside of the car. Uh, as they continue, they're in a convertible, the roof's up, but as they continue to talk, uh, a knife cuts open the roof, uh, it picks uh, the guy who's in there, picks up the poor nerd kid, slits his fucking throat, fuck this guy already, I don't like him. Yeah. So, uh, she goes, she goes running, uh, she gets, like, cut, but she goes running in the forest, but the killer finds her, slits her throat, and then bathes her in the water, she's fucking dead. There's, um, so, some flashes, too, of, like, Yeah, baptisms. and it fades in and out into a baptism that we actually eventually fade into, seeing a young lady getting baptized, and these people are all singing in the very cultish way they fucking do. And that's um, the first movie appearance of a Night of the Living Dead alumni is that scene with the baptism. Oh, who's the alumni? They're coming to get you, Barbara, was the pastor. Really? Yep. The pastor was him? Yep. The original to... Johnny from Night of the Living Dead. I'm going to fucking... Steiner. Steiner. That's fucking aw- I'm going to have to watch this again. I never thought I'd say that about this movie. <laughs> so I'm going to have to fucking watch it again now. Yeah. A um, um, little more a bit of information. You remember when we covered Night of the Living Dead, how I kept crushing on Judy and the actress that, that plays her and all of that? Yeah. In real life, she ended up married to Russ Steiner, who is really? the preacher in this. Yeah. I don't know how long that they were together or not, but that's one of the things that I saw in one of the interviews. Uh, John Russo or somebody was talking about that. Uh, John Russo is the writer. Now we have so two Julie more. Julie and Night of the Living Dead ended up marrying Johnny from Night of the Living Dead. E- Yes. Well, there you go. I mean, hey, shit. I mean, they weren't even in these scenes together. How'd they even fucking meet? <laughs> I mean, they were on the set. Um, he's one of the producers. Oh, um, okay. So he had other work besides just playing Johnny. Yeah. Striner, Russell Striner is actually one of the main folks in the latent image or was one of the main folks in the latent image. It was like Russell Striner, uh, the Eastman's and John Russo with George Romero. They were all doing commercials and cutting stuff like that and doing industrial films and all of that. It's Judith uh, Ridley is the woman that he was married to. Oh, nice. So I don't, I didn't know any of that. So here's a funny story. Just this weekend, my wife and I were laying in bed. She turned on Night of the Living Dead and we watched it and I laughed and with her and I go, how is it, you know, who knows if that guy who played Johnny, because I didn't know any info about him, ever worked as an actor again. I go, but he has maybe one of the most famous lines in cinema. Everyone knows that line. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Well, everyone knows that fucking line. Right. And Russell Steiner was actually in There's Always Vanilla. When we talked about that, I don't think I remember that they got married for a while. They're not together anymore, but yeah. um, they actually were married for a short time or for a while. Let's just say they were, they had a yeah. marriage that lasted for a little while. They, and, they they were a couple. Right. And when we covered there is, There's Always Vanilla, Judith Ridley was actually the main actress in that. And that's where I was really crushing on her was in that film. Oh, okay. To the point where I'm almost as creepy as the fucking uh, janitor of the high school here. And Striner is actually in There's Always Vanilla. When they're shooting the beer commercial at the beginning, he's sort of the hippie director with the weird flowy hair. And it's a huge difference between Night of the Living Dead and even There's Always Vanilla, which he was in, because he had actually, you know, was able to actually afford to be able to eat. And I think he was working out because he put on some weight, but he doesn't look fat. He just looks like bulkier, like he actually, you know, did some working out or something. Because yeah. in that, he's a much bigger guy, but not like, not like heavy. You know, you can tell because it's mostly up in his shoulders and his arms. 
Jesus. Well, hey, good for him. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that's our first alumnus, and I can't fucking help it. Anytime that's Romero adjacent, I'm going to go off. You know me. Oh, of course. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, and it's just great because I want to go off because me and my wife were just talking about that guy this weekend. So it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Well, there you go. You now know that he did at least two other roles. And then also the, he had a- They're all Romero and uh, Jafruso adjacent, though. And also he had a bigger part than just being an actor. Right. He also was one of the producers and he's one of the image 10 folks as well. There you go. Um, Okay, so anyway, um, the sheriff is told of the murders while watching this little young woman's baptism, and so they are run off. Then we see a guy in bed with the what appears to be the majorette's coach, and he see he's a county detective, and he gets a call that you know of the murder, and he lets her know, and it breaks her heart. But uh, they leave and they investigate, um, and he's with the sheriff at the scene, and the sheriff definitely does not like him very much. Does not like him at all. Doesn't want the county involved, but uh, whatever. And they decide to go talk to the parents, and that ends pretty much the first 20 minutes of the film. All right, well, we covered pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about, but the only character that I kind of identify with is already dead. And have you ever seen the original town that dreaded sundown, Matt? I have not. You have, because you've watched the Majorettes. Zing! Uh, Oh, so that's what this is about. I've always heard of the town that dreaded sundown, but I've never seen it. But apparently I now have. (laughs) Okay, I need to be a little more fair. Okay. The bag over the head from town that dreaded sundown is clearly what was the influence for the camouflage bag over the head. Uh, He does yank people out of a, like a couple out of a car to murder them. But it's a little bit different. But at one point, I do believe he does crawl on top of a car and cut open <laughs> although i've uh, seen uh, that used a lot yeah but this is like 83 town that turned at sundown was like in the 70s and uh, so I it's also, like too close right and after i watched it and i got that impression that this was let's be polite and say heavily influenced by town that dreaded to sundown um after i got that notion from watching it i started watching the special features on the blu-ray and one of the things that john russo said was he wanted to do a slasher like the town that dreaded sundown ah uh, well okay then never mind <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not saying it's a fucking ripoff. I'm just saying that it's close enough, but everybody has borrowed at some point, either directly or indirectly from Town the Dreaded Sundown, because it's kind of the first one of its Kind of nature. the first slasher type. Kind of, yeah, it's like a proto slasher, kind of like how most people will say that it's Black Christmas or, you know, they'll, they'll start to point into all these other films like Town the Dreaded Sundown. The original one is one of the ones that people point out and say is a proto slasher and it's based on actual events. So it's kind of like the first serial, oh, wow. serial killer biopic, too. Nice. Well, there you go. So anyway, to start the next 20 minutes, we start with a football practice and star QB Jeff Holloway was he's having some issues concentrating. Uh, so we see the weird janitor dude is uh, he pulls up, pulls out some binary knocks from his lunch pail and is watching the majorettes practice um okay uh, we need to get a rolling on this right yeah the thing that makes this wrong in my book is that they are high school girls that he is trying to watch from afar with binoculars like a creep yeah if you are out in the open and someone is spying you from, say, a perch like he is doing and just looking at you with binoculars, when you are out in the open, you're out in the open. Oh, right? okay. Right. That's I, I would... slightly less creepy. Slightly, I guess. Oh, I don't know, man. That's that's a rough judgment. You're you're skating a fine line. At best, you're skating a fine fucking line. Look, I'm just trying to justify staring at nude beaches with my binox, okay? Okay. Um, You can't fucking do that, all right? You (laughs) got to stop that shit. That's a clip, by the way. (laughs) 
Holy shit. So anyway, as the weird guy's watching the majorettes, Mace and his gang interrupt him, and that's our first clip. Mace, you aren't authorized to be in this stadium. All that young stuff down in that field turns me on, man. You gonna give me and Mace a look through your glasses, Harry? So hung up on those bitches you didn't even hear us come. I'm helping the majorette coach, Miss Morgan. From up here, I can tell her if the lines are straight. You hear that, Mace? He's helping Miss Morgan. In that case, why you hide your binoculars in your lunchbox? Still hiding your toot in there, Harry? I'm not using that stuff no more. Using or not, you still owe me from your last buy. A hundred and a half, Harry. I don't have that much on me. Well, give me what you have. Unless you want to pay me back by dealing for me when school starts. I can't. Some student would blab. I'd get caught. Oh, but you don't mind sitting up here scoping the chicks, do you, Harry? You're a pervert, Harry. You know that? <laughs> yeah, Harry. A fucking pervert. <laughs> right, Mason? 83 bucks? You have the rest for me by tomorrow, but Tila's coming back to break your fucking legs. I'll have it. Not tomorrow, though. Thursday. That's when I get paid. Okay. I'll let you off the hook till then. But that's the deadline. Get me? Yeah, Harry. That's the deadline. Get me? All right, we need to talk about the uh, janitor's dialogue delivery in that scene. Yeah. Up until this point, we hadn't really heard him talk. He's just been kind of pervy and running around being weird and all that uh-huh. kind of shit. When yeah. he talks, did you or did you not automatically flash to the lonesome death of Jordy Barrel and Stephen King's performance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if Stephen King were trying to do a Pittsburghese accent instead of a North Maine, which isn't really a huge difference between the two because all that's kind of same like a nor'easter type thing you know yeah <laughs> except the uh, western pa gets a little more yinza if you know what i'm saying and some of the folks out there do uh but like as he's delivering that dialogue i started getting homesick for pittsburgh and then the next thing i know i'm hearing him talk and i'm thinking holy fuck is this stephen king <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, hey man, those books don't write themselves, all right? Sometimes you need some help. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was in Knight Riders, and he did pretty much the same performance as what this janitor just did here. So there you go. Yeah. So anyway, um, we talk about the one guy who's wearing a a, a Confederate flag on his vest and a Confederate soldier's hat. And the only thing he does is look, right, right. Uh, I mean, he keeps going, right, Mace? Right? Huh, Mace? Right, Mace? Like, it, it reminded me the, the fucking uh The little, little yappy dog. chihuahua that hangs yeah. around with Spike and bounces around. Yes, yeah. Right, Spike? Yeah. Right? Hey, Spike? Right? Right? Right, Spike? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, uh, I was thinking of that, too, except yeah. he's, like, all being Confederate and racist. The Majorettes uh, are, you know, their practice is done, and they're given the rest of the day off, obviously, because, you know, one of their own is now dead. Um, so, uh, however, Vicky and, uh, uh, Vicky, another girl and our quarterback, Jeff, they actually head into town and those three talk and that's our next clip. How's your practice today, Jeff? Not so hot. I don't know. I guess I'm just not in shape yet. You're cute, man. Worked out with weights all summer, Jeff. You're stronger than any of the other guys on the team. I don't know. Something's not right. I guess it's my head, but something's not in the right place. He always says that. You're not in shape yet. You haven't worked out enough. And then you get into one of the big games and you throw a couple of touchdowns. <laughs> hey, you know, my birthday's only a week and a half away. And in two weeks, school starts. Yeah. It won't seem right going back to classes without Nicole. Now, what are you going to be, 17, huh? No, 18. 
member. I'm a year older than you seniors. Yeah. Well, I repeated that year and my father was transferred to Germany. Do you miss your mother and father a lot? Yeah, you know, I really do. I still have nightmares about, about the car accident. I see the flames and the crash. Even though I wasn't there when it happened. If it wasn't for my grandmother, I'd be an orphan. And she had that stroke last year. Why are so many bad things happening to us? Like Tommy and Nicole. I know I'm gonna have nightmares, you guys. I always have nightmares when bad things like this happen. Oh, Judy, we gotta keep it out of our minds. Really, we do. We have to think of pleasant things. No matter what. Come on. Helga says I can have a big birthday party. I might even invite you two if you're nice to me. I want to tell you guys why I couldn't keep my mind on football practice, okay? I think I know something about Nicole. Something that maybe I should tell the police. You serious? Yeah. I saw her at the drive-in with Mace Jackson, and that was two weeks ago. She was crying. It looked like it might even beat her up. She would have been out with Mace Jackson. Well, she was with him. Do you remember that night we went to see the three horror flicks, Judy? Yeah. Okay, I was going to the concession stand, and I almost bumped into Nicole as she's getting out of the back of Mace's van. You should have seen him. He was screaming at her, and she was crying. There were tears streaming down her face. I guess the reason I didn't say anything to anybody about it was I figured, hey, if she wants to date his own business, right? I'm not going to start rumors around school. Yeah, but Mace Jackson, God, everybody knows he's the biggest dope dealer in the school. It's probably worse than that. Yep. And don't you think it's strange that she was even out with that Tommy kid, too? I mean, come on. He, he was a wimp, and Mace is so wild. I just don't understand it. It's like Nicole was bouncing from one extreme to another. Jeff, you have to tell the police what you saw. It might not make any difference to us, but then on the I know. other hand... I know, Vicki, you're right. Vicki, I have to tell somebody. I can't keep this inside of me for all this time. Jeff. You better be careful, because if Mace Jackson finds out that you're the one that told on him, he's going to come after you. You don't have to worry about me, Jim. All right, so the director of the film, Bill Heinzman, does that name ring a bell to you? No. Bill Heinzman, the number one zombie who also has a permanent place on the tattoo right above my elbow. He's right on there. That's that zombie, and that the is Bill Heinzman. first ever ghoul we've seen in the Romero-verse. What he's referred to uh, by the fans is um, the number one zombie, which... Yeah. Uh, he, I think he always took it as that he was the best zombie, but I think it was just that he was the first zombie. I still, you know what? He's the best to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, of all of the zombies that I could have possibly gotten a tattoo of, I picked two from Night of the Living Dead. The first one I got was him. The second one I got was Karen Cooper, the little girl who kills her mom with the masonry trowel. Yeah. So there is that. Now, Bill Heinzman, or S. William Heinzman, as he's sometimes credited, was the director of the film. And in the interview after I watched this, one of the things that he says in the interview very specifically was that he made the mistake of killing the best two actors that they had right off the bat. He should have cast them in different roles because they were clearly the two best actors that they had hired. And after sitting through the two minutes and 53 odd seconds and counting of that last clip, I tend to really agree with Mr. Mr. Heinzman. Yeah, they they really did do away with the two uh, better actors in this movie. Yeah, the right away. The scene that they have in the car is really poignant. They it's have fucking real. 
They have some very tender moments. Both actors are giving so much of themselves. I completely believe him as this sweet, innocent guy. And for like a brief second, I almost believe that he'd be like, it's okay. You can still blame me. Like for yeah, a yeah. second, I thought he was going to do that until the creepo came and killed him. Yeah. Right. Like I felt like he cared enough about her, even just from afar in some weird way, shape or form that he's willing to raise some drug dealer's baby for her. Yeah. And then we cut to this scene later where the majorettes are all sitting around or these, these couple of major and the football star are all sitting around talking. He's and such talk- a weakling. <laughs> they're talking. See my problem? They're talking in such a like straightforward tone about such serious things. This guy is supposed to be torn up inside, and yet he's talking as though I am torn up inside. I have no idea how much longer I can keep this inside of me. Hey guys, I'm really scared and nervous about this. I don't know what I should do. <laughs> Right. So that's the kind of movie we're going to have for the rest of the the clips. So if you feel there's some kind of disparagement between the conversation in the car versus what we just talked about here, that's why. There is. And it's 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 there. Um, so anyway, um, so then, uh, uh, we then cut to two girls are walking home and they're agreeing pretty much. They're scared of what's going on. And they've agreed that they're pretty much going to walk back and forth to practice together just to stay safe. And they're lucky that they live close to each other. One of the girl's parents is uh, going to be out for the night, and she invites her friend to come over to go swimming. Uh, so as the girl goes into her house, she looks like she's getting ready. She's like calling out for her mom. She feels like someone's there. And then, of course, her mom jump scares her, but she leaves. So the girl gets changed. Uh, is that a thank you movie? I believe that's a thank you movie. Yeah, it's a good enough thank you movie. Uh, but we see that the killer is watching her. Uh, before she hops in the pool, she gets a call from her friend. And right before she gets the call, she's like testing the water and you see the killer in the house. Yeah. Uh, but then she gets a call. So she goes in, answers it, friend her on her way. So then she starts swimming and the killer stalks her, grabs her, slashes her a few times, then raises her head up, slits her throat. Um, the cops are now on the scene. And that is our next clip. What can you tell us, Dr. Gibson? It's going to be tough getting an accurate estimate on time of death because she was in a heated swimming pool. She didn't die drowning, though. I mean, she was still alive when the knife went in. That's why she lost so much blood. Her heart was still pumping. Any idea whether the murder weapon could have been the same one used on Tommy Harvack and Nicole Hendricks? I'd say there's a strong possibility. The wounds all appear to have been inflicted by a sharp, thick-bladed knife, almost like a bowie. Speaking of the Hendricks girl, I can tell you something new about her now that I've done the autopsy. What's that, Doctor? She was pregnant. At the time of her death, the fetus was about seven weeks old. Hmm. And if we can find a father, maybe then we'll be able... Yeah, maybe. I gotta go. I'll be back in touch with you after I've done the post-mortem on Barbara. Thanks, Doc. You know, Sheriff... I keep thinking about the fact that the bodies of both our female victims were found lying in water, even though they died by stabbing and not by drowning. In killer's mind, there must be some kind of purification thing going on, some kind of cleansing ritual. Yeah, I've been thinking of that too. But even if it's true, it probably won't help us catch him. Did you recognize the coroner in that clip? I did not. That is the writer, John A. Russo. Oh, that is Russo himself, huh? Did you notice when the coroner walks away, there is the sound of wood planking like he's walking across the giant deck, even though they were standing on cement? Yeah. 
Do you know what that was? No. Okay. John Russo is a rather short gentleman. Now that's coming okay. from a guy who's barely five seven ish, eight with shoes. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm short. I'm short as fuck. I will totally admit that. But if you call me short, I'm going total Joe Pesci on your ass. Uh, John Russo is shorter Calm than down. Calm down. <laughs> John Russo is shorter than me. He was standing Jeez. on a walkway of apple boxes to pull that scene off. Wow. I have uh... no idea why they put him in there other than he was the writer. He didn't even really want to do it. He clearly states that I'm not an actor in the interview, that he, he just was kind of told he had to do it. So he just did it. And when he's delivering the dialogue... Other than the fact that he's John Russo, he is really hard to watch on screen. Yeah. Yeah. That was not easy. Now, uh, he was also in Night of the Living Dead. He was the zombie that gets dispatched by Ben with the tire iron. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice. There you go. I assume in Night of the Living Dead, a lot of people played double duty, like of doing stuff. Quadruple the and triple duty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot yeah. of a lot of the behind the scenes folks were playing zombies. A lot of the people that were, um, you know, background actors characters in the roles that would show up briefly they played zombies multiple times not just the zombies of their character that died like johnny <laughs> no no <laughs> yeah um, um mrs eastman was the zombie that eats the mouse off the tree <laughs> oh really yeah so nice. there's, a, there's a lot of people being reused in those kind of shots but i just wanted to point out that we've already gotten two alumni and we're not even 40 minutes in because we haven't hit your second 20 minute marker yeah exactly well we're about to at the end of this 20 minutes jeff and judy watch the body gets pulled out and jeff has to tell the cops so he goes to a cop to uh let him know and that completes that 20 minutes all right so they know that the lady was pregnant when uh, she was out there trying to neck and this is a plan that i feel like many a young man may have gotten suckered into in this day and age when they would have realized hey you know this this girl's trying to trap me to raise someone else's baby because she can trust me. <laughs> All right. So we start the new 20 here. And uh, we actually cut to a strip club with Mace and the gang. And that is our next clip. Back among the living, Mace. I didn't think the cops were going to let you out of the can, man. They had to, too. Margaret swore I was with her when the murders went down. You know, I can't believe the pigs would harass a decent law by the since <laughs> That asshole Jeff Holloway told the cops he saw me beaten up on the pole with the drive-in. I was Mace's alibi. Shut up, Margaret. Speak when you're spoken to. Holloway? Football player? Yeah. I'd have break his throwing arm for him. My goodness. I told you to shut the hell up! You missed your big chance, Mace. Why? You had Nicole knocked up, man. You should have settled down and got married. <laughs> now you'll probably never mend your hateful ways. <laughs> Very funny. You shocked your responsibility, man. You could have brought that kid up fine on dealing drugs. You could have sent him to school on a drug scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> Look, now how did I know that kid was even mine, huh? Nicole could have been balling the whole football team for all I know. How do you know I was the only one making it with it just because I was the first one to score? How much do the cops know? There's two of them working on the case. Sheriff Braden and a county detective, a lieutenant named uh, Martell. They tried to nail my ass to a tree. Well, the autopsy showed that she was pregnant, all right, but they can't prove who the father was. Or if I killed her, why would I kill that other majorette? Martell tried to use that incident at the drive in to scare a confession out of me, as if I'm that stupid. Margaret's my alibi. As long as he says she was with me, Cops are shit out of luck. Unless I change my story. 
don't even make me think you want to. Or else the next needle you put in your veins might be loaded with rat poison. Jesus Christ. Like this guy is a piece of shit. Yeah, these drug dealers, big shock, they're all real serious assholes. Yeah. This is what happens whenever someone that is a quote-unquote big fish in a small town goes on to start making ends meet by cutting corners and they just keep getting more and more bitter about how horrible their life is and the choices that they made and then they're the big kingpin drug dealer of an extremely small town which basically means they're the ones that drive to the bigger cities to procure the stuff and then just divvy it up that's like their equivalent of being a drug dealer and when they go to the big city they get their asses like fucking mocked and shit and treated like shit so then they come back and right which is why the drugs in the rural areas are always hugely marked up and why my childhood was so fucking miserable I mean, whoa, hey, all right. <laughs> so stupid. All right. So anyway, one gang member brings out an uh, old six shooter that his grandfather used to use in the Confederacy, right? or his great grandfather, sorry. And uh, he, they say they're going to shoot Jeff with it. So then we cut to Vicky's house and she's talking with the nurse expressing concern about her grandma. Uh, saying that she looks horrified lately. The nurse says she's read all the stories, uh, so that it's her fault. She accidentally read the stories about the murderers to her grandmother, and maybe she feels that might happen to her, and the son gives this weird, evil smile, so you start to get the idea that they're going to be really fucked up. Yeah, I think that they are planning on murdering the family of this grandma here and trying to take over the house and own everything. Yeah, money, yeah, everything. Probably everything will be left to them if they do this. And I'm suspecting so that, that she is also committing elder abuse and that's why grandma looks terrified all the time. Oh, of course. I mean, well, she, you hear the way she talks to her. She probably talks to her like that all the time. We know the grandma has had a stroke, can't speak. So the grandma hears all this is and is cogent. She just can't speak and probably can't write. She seems too you know uh done up so uh yeah she probably like holy fuck how do i warn my granddaughter who i fucking care about that this lady's a fucking psycho we cut to the county detective talks to the priests uh, about baptism and what they entail because now he's starting to get an idea that this killer has a mo that's the uh, same priest from the flashback so that's our russ strainer yes. right yeah. yeah so they're coming to get you barbara right uh, so anyway, Judy and Jeff, they get into an argument later on about how she like doesn't believe in his football dreams and doesn't want him to go to a big 10 school and wants him to stay at a local community college. Cause she thinks that if he goes to school, she's going to lose him some really kind of fucking really toxic shit. Judy's throwing at Jeff here. It's kind of fucked up. But at the uh, same time, what Judy is saying to Jeff is also partially true. He's not going to make it into the NFL. He needs to stop banking on that and put his head a little closer closer to the ground for his dreams. That's fine, but if he can get a scholarship to a Big Ten school, that can get him something of an education that's like really fucking makes it probably easier for him than just being a white middle American male uh, to be able to go out and get a fucking great job. Right. I mean, even she's, easier than just being a white male. She is concerned that she's going to lose him once he goes to college and realizes that yeah, there are better looking really, women than his high school. Yeah, he she doesn't. She's not really caring about his future. She's caring about losing the relationship. She's That's why it's toxic as fuck. She's trying to lock that tongue down because I imagine that yeah. he's a giver in bed. He, he must be. He This guy must just like diamond level fucking. I mean. <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. I think that he's the only one on the team that will go down on a woman until his chin looks like a glazed donut. Maybe. 
That could be. He seems like a giver. Right. He does. Um, he seems like a real concerned and caring person because he found out someone was getting a fight with a drug dealer and he can't live with himself to not tell anybody about it. Clearly, he cares about I people. I agree. But she's still she's being toxic as fuck. No, no, toxic no, she's, AF. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. pretty much like all women, according to Matt, they are trying to destroy a man's life. That's fucked up. Hold on a second here. Why'd you have to put it like that? That's not all. This woman right here is trying to convince a guy to sacrifice an opportunity to go to a really good school so she doesn't lose his relationship, her relationship to him. That's fucking toxic as fuck. Right. As Matt said, all women are out to just ruin their man's life. I, I'm really starting to have a problem with you right now. <laughs> Let's just move on then. <laughs> all right. Anyway, she goes in to take a shower uh, because it is just done with practice. And Thank uh, you, movie. The, yeah. And the weird dude, he goes in, watches, and he's taking pictures from his little vent area. Well, the killer's also there. And Judy thinks Jeff's in the locker room. She asks around. The killer pops out and cuts her, then takes her in and kills her by slitting her throat. And then he, uh, his mask comes off in the struggling process because we see his head. We don't see his face. But uh, the weird guy's watching, and then the killer showers her like the baptism. Then we get to Vicky's leaving. She runs into Jeff in the parking lot, and Jeff's like, well, she should have been out by now, Judy. So they go looking for Judy in the locker room, and as they go looking through it, they find her dead body and all the blood. And that ends uh, uh, that uh, 20 minutes. So there we go. Okay, so the janitor, as far as we know, he's definitely witnessed the murder. We know the yeah. janitor has to have seen the murderer. Yeah. Or at least he got a photo. He might have a... He might have a picture of the murderer. But he doesn't... So, he, I don't think he saw himself, but he has a picture that he still has yet to develop. And he's a messed up dude, and so is his mom, so who knows how any of that is going to go. <laughs> well, you and I, because we've watched the whole of the movie, but at this point, no one knows. Yeah. If hey, they haven't on, seen man. it. Dude, fucking play along, <laughs> asshole. God damn it. So, okay, so we go to the next 20 minutes, and the sheriff shows up to Vicky's house. The nurse says she has evidence that she has to show him she takes him into her son's fucking the is his development room and he's looking at the pics and he sees the pics of the killer and it's the sheriff himself he starts choking her out but he gets knocked out by her son they tie him up and then they kind of and they uh talk to him in our final clip all these years you were the strict god-fearing police officer pious and righteous huh? But underneath, your passions were simmering, weren't they? Sluts. Teases. Flaunting their bodies. They had to be purified. They were sinful and evil. I agree with you, Sheriff. In fact, there's one more I wanted to punish. Who? Darling Vicky. Vicky? Why? She's sinful. She must be purified. Right after she turns 18. Eight days from now. <laughs> oh, you better tell him why, Mama, so he don't blow it by going after her before the deadline. The deadline? What deadline? There's a good reason why I mentioned Vicky's 18th birthday, Sheriff. Her parents set up a trust fund for her of half a million dollars. It does not become hers until she turns 18. But it is an irrevocable trust. All that money reverts to the state if she dies before that. But if she dies after she turns 18, it all goes to her invalid grandmother. And by the terms of Elvira's will, if she dies while she's in my care, 
And you inherit the half million dollars. <laughs> Bright of you, Sheriff, you figured it out. <laughs> Harry and I were in a quandary as to how we would do away with Vicky without casting too much suspicion on ourselves. But you will help us solve that little problem now, won't you? Won't you? Yes. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, things are not looking good for uh, Vicky here. Uh, <laughs> things are being tough all over. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, the detective and the majorette coach there, they're having a, a nice dinner, uh, or lunch and they're talking about the killings and, um, the detective pretty much nails down the killer motives about being angry about all this kind of stuff about the, you know, he just pretty much nails down what the sheriff pretty much just told us here. Yeah. He's making um, like a mind hunter and totally laying out the whole entire plot line yeah. of the movie like a mentalist type uh, profiler would do yeah so anyway um they get a phone call about the uh other uh about the um about judy's murder and they head back to the station only to find out that um jeff and vicky were let go by the sheriff before he could talk to him as they leave vicky and jeff are now kidnapped by mason's gang um the weird janitor guy sees all this and decides to follow them so uh, they drive and they get to the place. They all believe Vicky is Jeff's girlfriend and they're going to gang rape her in front of Jeff to punish him. And then they already, then they all of a sudden say they're going to go ahead and murder him as well and her because they saw their faces. One of the guys, however, is starting to not be into this and he's not, doesn't think it's cool to harm Vicky at all. He's like, kill the guy because he's a snitch, but she didn't do anything to us. Well, then, his logic is flawed. They have to at least kill her because she's seen them. And if he turns up dead, then that's obviously yeah. going to be all them. So yeah. these guys are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. No, they uh, they are having a bad time. Yes. So, um, and so then during all of this, uh, the the uh, weird guy comes in. And he's telling him, you you know, you can't do this. Mom will be mad. And he goes, Mom will pay you a lot of money if you let him go. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take care of it. And then the other guy still yelling at Mace. So he doesn't want Vicky to be hurt. So then he and Mace get into a fight in which he starts beating the fuck out of Mace. But right before he can hit him with a tire iron, the other guy who's like the fucking little chihuahua. Hey, where are we going, Mace? What are we doing? He shoots him with the gun killing him then the nurse's son is shot by another guy killing him then because of all the commotion jeff is able to hit a guy and get away and he and vicky start running but she is shot and falls on top of jeff the three guys think that everyone in the room is dead and they take off uh however jeff is still very much alive jeff he had a is, human bulletproof vest yep Jeff is going a little crazy, and, well, by the way, every plan's fucked now because Vicky's dead. Um, Jeff goes a little crazy. He gets home, and he gets an assault rifle. He finds the gang's hideout. Uh, they cut to inside the hideout. The entire gang's in there. Mace thinks they should leave because it was all fucked up, but the whole group is like, who's going to know? Everyone's dead there. They can never pin it on us, and we'll say we're all together here, and we'll all just vouch for each other. Um, and then as they're talking, Jeff uses his shirt, puts in a gas tank of a fucking uh, van, kind of gets it lit on fire, and that blows up their van. Um Margaret and one of the gang members, they hop into a car and they're trying to escape, but Jeff kills the gang member, shoots him in the head. 
Uh, Margaret crashes the car, and Jeff shoots it enough that it just blows the fuck up. Mace comes running outside, but Jeff shoots him in the leg. Uh, as Mace kind of limps into the forest, Jeff pretty much kills the rest of the gang. So now, all of a sudden, we're no longer in a horror movie. We are in almost what would seem to be like a rape revenge film. This is a rapeless rape revenge film at this point. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, that's what it seems like right now. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the entire gang is dead. Blows all the shit up. Mace runs away. Now that's the end of that twenty minutes. We are in the final, probably thirteen minutes of the movie. I only have one thing to add here, right? Yes, go ahead. With all of these multiple storylines all going at once, it's amazing that they fit this in in an hour and 27 minutes. Like they jammed yeah. this much story in. It's actually pretty incredible. I, yeah. It, I mean, I'm going to give them a little bit of props on that. That was kind of, I was like, oh, wow, that's um, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> and I'm going to hold the rest of my comments till we finish off the film. So go ahead. All right. So then uh, Jeff chases uh, a hobbly mace in the woods. Jeff finds mace. Mace kind of cuts Jeff across stomach. But Jeff is able to, like, kind of get the gun pointed at him. Mace kind of begs for his life, like, you got me. I didn't hurt anybody, though. I didn't kill anybody. Uh, please, please. And Jeff kills him anyway. And then he kind of just falls against a tree. Then we cut back to the nurse talking to Grandma that uh, her son and Vicky are both dead. There's no money. And she'll just kill the Grandma now. Gives her an ejection. That kills the Grandma. She says, she talks to him about how she's going to get, like, a hundred and some thousand dollars through some, you know, something she's going to get and as she goes she's like i'll make sure like the sheriff will look the other way for her your death because you know i have these photos but then the sheriff's in the room he jumps her and strangles her and then i just remembered holy shit we had a horror movie on top of this fucking i forgot all about this motherfucker holy shit so he jumps in he strangles her then makes it look like she hung herself says he's gonna leave the clothes he did from the murders and the murdering uh, the murder weapon there with all the photos of hat naked women it'll look like her son was one of the, the was the fucking killer and that she found out and hung herself he destroys his photos and uh so that's done then we cut we see jeff's in shock in a coma in the hospital doctors don't know if he'll ever wake up sheriff said he did him all a favor and that he'll make sure if he ever wakes up he'll get him exonerated we end with little girls practicing to be majorettes with the sheriff just standing there watching that's not creepy at all roll fucking credits All right. Holy fuck. The script is actually pretty decent as far as the story following it along. It works. There's multiple threads that we didn't even realize were being set up. And if you go back and watch it again, which I don't necessarily recommend because it is really slow of a film for all of this shit that's happening. It feels a lot longer than an hour and 27 minutes. It's a bit dated, but it's an ultra fucking low budget movie from like the mid 80s. I mean, like major low budget. I think this was made for like 10 grand. Yeah. And you know, okay. Let me say, were the actors great? No. The story was interesting, and I will I will fucking fully admit, when I got back to the original story about the sheriff, I was like, holy fuck, I totally forgot about this asshole, with Jeff being old fucking Rambo man, and, and fucking killing everybody, I totally forgot about the fucking murdering sheriff, holy shit. The thing that's really great about this is the fact that it goes full on crazy grindhouse exploitation for you, because it just starts throwing a bunch of elements at the screen. It, mer yeah. it merges the town that dreaded sundown with a mini rape revenge movie with also an 
intrigue in a rural area of gangs causing violence and holding people hostage and trying to cover up any reason why their leader would possibly be the murderer. It's just bouncing around everywhere. Uh, the director, Bill Heinzman, also had an appearance as one of the sergeants, I think, or something like that. I can't remember what scene he was in, and we didn't get a clip that had his voice in there that I could recognize and say, but he pops up as one of the sergeants. Bill Heisman does. That's the number one uh-huh. zombie. So be on the lookout for him as one of the cops, but he's not the sheriff. He's just another background actor. He may All have right. even been in the same scene with John Russo. I just can't remember off the top of my head because I watched it two days ago. Okay. I uh, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The story that John Russo wrote for this, apparently he wrote a script first, then he adapted the screenplay that he wrote into a book. Then that book got readapted into a screenplay that became this movie. So all the weird disjointed, I don't know what the fuck is going on parts of the story. I'm going to credit for the fact that it started life as a screenplay, then got turned into a novel, then got turned into a screenplay adaptation of said novel. So it's like that grapevine thing where like I say one thing to you and by the time it gets to the end of the folks, uh, you know, at the end of the row, like me saying something along the lines of, hey, we're going to eat dinner at six turns into court's going to go pick up sticks. You know hey, I mean? we're going to eat dinner at six. Uh, court bought crack for everybody and he murdered uh, an entire orphanage for it. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I get that game. Wow, that grapevine <laughs> really got dark fast. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Most of my games of telephone didn't go really well. <laughs> Apparently, uh, there's a lot of stuff to really nitpick and get really kind of um, down and talk shit about this film. But given the severely low budget, it's actually shot pretty fucking well. They captured the the film that they captured on. It actually still looks pretty decent. Um, this is the Shriek Show Blu-ray that we watched. Uh, so, you know, however they ended up doing the scans for it or whatever, even if they did scans, who knows? But whatever the master is for this, it actually looks pretty decent. I mean, I've seen 10 grand films that have been put together much more shittily than this. What it basically is, is there's an experienced film crew that has been doing stuff for a very long time, making industrial films and TV show commercials and stuff like that. They went on, they made Night of the Living Dead, which was also made on an ultra low budget. Some of them went on to bigger and better careers, and some of them kept toiling in the ultra independent, which is like John Russo, Bill Heinzman, and this crew. They ended up working together, and they made a couple of movies together over time. I don't know if this is Bill Heinzman's first direct directorial debut for motion pictures or not but it sure feels like it like i said and i i just said it was that uh i thought okay like i said is the acting superb no 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 not at all but i actually found myself enjoying the story i of obviously enjoyed the fucking swerve in the middle there where we got this fucking action sequence out of a slasher flick and it it went from slasher flick to fucking grindhouse fucking revenge flick and then it went right back to grim ending like no happy ending for anyone fucking flick with little girls who are going to be the new future victims of this fucking sheriff fucking amazing I, I I mean, I thought the story was actually done really well. I fucking, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, it went, there's serious flaws in it, but the framework of what they're trying to achieve, you can really appreciate the technique. And I got to say, this would be ripe for a short form streaming series, multiple episodes. You don't know who the killer is, but the killer starts showing up like, like a, do it like kind of a little more cheesy, like kind of a Scream Queens thing where yeah, you're, like, you're winking almost, and you're nodding to the slasher films of the eighties a little uh, bit. I get you. Like a, but you mean like a miniseries, like a American Horror Story. 
like have their little mini series sort of type like thing. This could be like yeah. a this could be like a season of American Horror Story or just a one off like one season show arc. That's it. But yeah, I totally get what you mean though. For Netflix, because it seems like those things where you can have fucking episodes that don't like feel like they fit in with the rest of the season but uh fucking add to it right yeah i totally get that and all of these various tendrils of story that we have going on here with like the irrevocable trust that's about to be stolen by the local evil nurse ratchet drug dealer lady because somehow she works with the drug guys too like somehow she's mixed in with them like i guess she's the actual true leader of their gang um yes her pervert son, like the exploits of the stuff that her son's doing, you know, the the stuff with the sheriff could be fleshed out more. We could even yeah. delve into the, like it could even delve into the past of the, what's going on with the preacher and all of these multiple baptisms, what makes this community like so ultra religious, what's going on with the sheriff and the pastor. They have this sort of weird thing going on, you know, so maybe that's where the sexual issues come from the sheriff as the killer. And you just kind of like really flesh this, like you could really expand this out and it could actually be really good. It wouldn't be any worse than what Netflix did with Hemlock Grove, their adaptations that they did. I'm sorry if people love Hemlock Grove, but that was cornball as shit. I watched every fucking season of it, but it was cornball as shit. Like, if you do it just that level of cornball as shit, I think you could make a really good um, series that has some more adult themes to it, but still could appeal to, like, a younger audience. Now, obviously, nobody's going to know what Majorettes are now, um, nor did they really know what they were then. You do cheerleaders. I mean, you do cheerleaders. Right. You need to switch it out to something else but the rest of the storyline all of the different stuff that's going on in this small town is pretty much what they could develop and now that i'm saying it out loud holy fuck that was pretty much the psycho series yeah <laughs> well um hey real quick something i, I for, totally forgot to bring up and i just remembered that the county detective did it also remind you of cody albeline from the you know <laughs> for the very first did he look just like him i thought it was the same guy at first it's not him but yeah it's enough like him <laughs> I'm just saying it looked just like him. (laughs) I had this really weird sort of nostalgic, sort of homesick feeling the whole time I'm watching this because the school that I went to, the school colors were pretty much the same school colors as the majorettes. Oh, Um, a lot of like their facilities looked like the school that I went to as a kid. I mean, because it was built in the same general area of PA, obviously. And because this is what people looked like in PA around that time in the 80s, I had flashbacks to various babysitters I had with the haircuts and things like that, especially the ones that were majorettes, because there was like two or three of them that were majorettes <laughs> that were babysitters for me at a certain point in time. So I had this yeah. I had this weird, like, nostalgic connection to this film that I think made me enjoy it a little more. And yes, I did say it gets a little boring in parts, because there's some parts where there's some doldrums where you're really just kind of waiting for something to happen. This is an an hour 27 minutes it could have been tightened up quite a bit in the editing i think but yeah. early, early filmmaking again super low budget i have definitely seen much worse slasher knockoff films than this yeah i gave it some shit yes i talked some trash about it but so, so did i so did i but, i mean i think we all did but I think if you are a fan of the Romero camp that, you know, did Night of the Living Dead and you want to find out more about what they did with John Russo and everything like that, Majorettes is definitely worth your time checking out. Uh, There's plenty of moments in it that are definitely enjoyable. And even though we've talked our way through it, I don't think we've completely spoiled it because there's still plenty of little bits and pieces to kind of check out here and there. So there's that. And that's all I got to say about it. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, pretty much. I think I've said my piece. All right. Why don't we take the break then? We will play the Corrupted Youth promo. We'll have a little bit of music when we come back. We'll do some PSYOP news. Taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. 
Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle. to tell you where that music came from but i didn't yank it out of this film <laughs> you didn't no no, no i would i would should be fucking pretty cool about that well i i'll cop to it if i yanked it out of the film i like to kind of brag yeah. that i was able to pull it out of the film and it was usable you know what i'm saying yeah but in this case no i did not yank it out of the film well this film so everybody still this, be a little but bit you cool yanked it out of another film so, yes uh, so everyone still has to be pretty fucking cool about this well it was a rather romantic kind of scene if you catch my drift is the type of music that i cracked <laughs> Oh, that sounds fucking weird. I don't know, man. You're cryptic. Your cryptic is fucked tonight. <laughs> that's that's me. Cryptic is fucked. Well, let's uh, match that up with some Sciapusa. Right, this uh well this comes from you court yeah i posted something usable yeah um transsexual satanist anarchist is gop sheriff nominee in new hampshire praying to god that's what assholes do <laughs> oh man i feel like i'm gonna die and there is like a god and when i go to the gates that's the first thing that's gonna get played i'm gonna be like all right yeah okay hey fuckers uh, religion's bullshit god's not real god doesn't see look, when you do anal it's it, it, okay <laughs> at least they they'll be like well there was more context to it than that because you know they'll know uh, so but we're going to be that, pushing the Christian agenda right down your fucking throat. Stop proselytizing and read the fucking news. But but the first one's definitely going to get me into trouble. All right. So Keen, New Hampshire's first trans anarchist Satan, satanic candidate for county sheriff. So she's not getting a lot of support for the Republican Party. 
I have the most confused direction right now. I love, be, I love that. Th- okay. D- d- I would does be it say, shocked, by the way. Does it say how she got into the primary? Because that needs to be important. Like, that's I important. really, I, I'm going to go through the article. Yeah, let's let's do that. I'm a cunt. Uh, vagina smells like dead body. America is a bunch of cunts. All right. So she says that she cannot understand. She cannot, she cannot imagine that they're happy about this. Uh uh, DeMezzo, who is running as a Republican with the campaign slogan, fuck the police, said Friday she hasn't had any help or support for the county or state GOP. To hell with the uh, police. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because cops don't help you. DeMezzo all cops are won, bumbling dummies. DeMezzo won the Republican nomination for Cheshire County Sheriff Tuesday night, running unopposed in the primary. That's how. The she picked to be Republican. Corpse. That's what's uh, awesome. She didn't yeah. get picked. The GOP didn't want anything to do with it, but because they didn't run anybody, she just ran as a Republican. And since she ran unopposed, she got to become the candidate. That's yeah, exactly. fucking brilliant. I that's, think that's so brilliant. That's fucking awesome. So, uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, let's see here. She'll now square off with popular incumbent Democrat Eli Rivera, who is running for his fifth term. Marilyn Houston, Cheshire County GOP chair, congratulated her on her victory. Houston consistently referred to DeMezzo as quote-unquote he during the interview, despite the candidate identifying as a female. Drop the humongous Qu- bull. What a quote, piece of shit he, that they did that. Yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. Quote, he did very well with the primary, and that was wonderful. End quote, Houston said. Demizo, who comes from the Free Keen group of libertarian activists that produced nobody, a gubernatorial candidate who changed his name from Rich Paul to nobody, she also hosts an internet show where she is referred to as, quote, Unquote. Free Keen started as an offshoot of the Free State Project of Libertarians. I spilled but- pee all over the place, but I cleaned it up. I don't know what they got a problem with. Because they're libertarians. Right, well, that's, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But the Free State Project has since distanced itself from Free Keen. Houston said DeMazzo only ran as a Republican because of problems getting Libertarian candidates on the ballot. Houston said DeMazzo never showed up to the GOP meetings and candidate events, even though she was invited. That would have been fucking awesome. Uh, quote, Aria really came into the Republican Party because he was unable to get into the Libertarian ballot, unquote, Houston said. Again, this Houston being a fucking massive douche. Okay, so this is a libertarian guy who is misgendering her. Is that what's going on? Uh, I know. I thought Houston. Houston is a Republican. No, or is he the? Who is Houston in this story? That's no Houston as the. That's Marilyn Houston. That's a Cheshire County GOP chair. Oh, who is purposely misgendering her? Yes. So DeMezzo signed up to run as a Republican two days before the deadline when she found out the longtime Republican candidate Earl Nelson was not running. DeMezzo said she would be willing to be more supportive of the GOP agenda if the party was supported of her. There, that would be also fucking hilarious. Uh, uh, rock she meet stated, hard place. Yeah, she stated that they're clearly not on my side. Um, there was an effort in Rindage to write Nelson in as a candidate after concerns were raised on social media about DeMezzo's gender, religious beliefs, and politics. Nelson got more than 200 write-in votes on Rindage uh, uh, on Tuesday night. The people of Rindage did a phenomenal job. Very well done, DeMezzo said. 
There was no concerted effort to keep Demiso from getting the nomination, Houston said. The Houston heard from many people who wanted to write in different candidate instead of Demiso. I love that she was able to do this, even I with know. all of these people like trying to conspire against her and get and literally anybody besides her. Yeah. Because anybody of the trans else. panic fear of having a uh, GOP trans sheriff who's running on a platform of fuck the police. <laughs> and also she's and also she's a Satanist. So I mean add that in there. She's too. a satanic you know, that freaks She's them a out. self-professed satanic anarchist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's just part of the whole political scene, Houston said. Um, Houston said Demizo is welcome to be part of the GOP, but some people may have disagreed with her positions. If you look at their social media and their political statements, they really do not fall in line with the Republican message, Houston said. Demizo says the GOP in Cheshire County has only itself to blame for her candidacy. She ran in 2018 as a libertarian and got around 3% of the vote. Uh, quote, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have won this freaking primary. I should have gotten crushed, Demizo said. Demizo wants to end the prosec- uh, persecution of uh, prosecution of drug crimes, sex work, illegal immigration, and anything else that she says does that have an actual victim. She said in a lot of ways she's to the left of Rivera. I'm more liberal than he is, Demizo said. There's a ton of things people get fined for, arrested for, that don't actually have any victims. New Hampshire's RNC uh, community uh, man, Chris Egger, declined to comment. So uh, We do have a follow-up to this, though. You, you, you do? Yeah, there is a follow-up to this. Um, I don't know if it was the evening of this article being posted or shortly after the primary ended for her to get the GOP nomination, but her car was vandalized. Somebody spray-painted a giant dick on the side of her car God, while it was parked out front of her home. What a bunch of fucking assholes. Here's the funny thing, though. She took it in stride, has video because she has not one, but two surveillance cameras on the front of her house. So she caught them doing it on video. Although when she was questioned about that, she said something along the lines of she doubts that the sheriff will do anything to help her, making that sheriff obligated to try and help her because she's a running against him and b a trans woman. So she can start to cry all sorts of fouls and use this politically as more weaponry to take down the sheriff. Right, right. So, and then the sheriff will fucking do something about that. <laughs> right. So, here's something that's going on in my head. Right. I'm thinking uh-huh. of like a walking tall situation, and she's like my new Buford Pusser. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's yeah. gonna she's gonna come in and she's gonna clean up this town and she's gonna get rid of the bullshit and then it's gonna become like this weird like sort of libertarian utopia that she wants to do. And I don't I don't agree with everything having to do with libertarian philosophy. A lot of the personal freedom things I, I get along with, but like getting rid of the whole regulation because they feel like you should be able to make anything out of rats if you feel like it and the market yeah. will regulate itself. That's a bunch of horseshit yeah. I just don't agree with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of libertarian stuff that's horseshit. So yeah, right, right. So if that's if that's going to be her philosophy, like I can I can deal with a libertarian running for sheriff who wants to dismantle the police. Like the, the the social issues that that particular platform that she's running on, I can get behind. Like that the stuff that she said there specifically that she wants to do for how she wants to administer her office were she to be elected, I'm totally down with that. Also, I don't see how you can be an anarchist and a libertarian all at once. But well, you really can't. You can you can't. I believe so. I, I guess so. But like, how but can, you, how can you also have can't a- run the anarchy. <laughs> she can't run anarchy. I still you can't can either. No, you can't. It's not <laughs> anarchy if you're running it. 
All right, we're never going to be arguing about this forever, and we all know that you're wrong, so I'm going to just end the show. Motherfucker. I'm going to play the ending Legion promo. We're going to have a little bit more music that I may or may not have stolen out of porn movie to fit with the sound of what's going on in this movie. And when we come back, we'll close out the show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. I'm not careful, man. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. And for those of you that are doubting that uh, that was, in fact, porn music, just listen to that beat back again. Just back up about 15, 30 seconds or so. Go about halfway through that little musical interlude and then just picture pumping to that drum beat and tell me that's not fucking music. That's fucking music. If I, that's fucking music if I've ever heard fucking music. <laughs> I'm not talking baby making music, which is all artful and romantic like some Marvin Gaye shit. I'm talking yeah, like there's... fucking music, like where you got to get a good rhythm up so that you can make that girl go. Yeah, there's no candlelight here. It's just fucking, <laughs> it's just a dark fucking room and you're just fucking, that's it. Well, if you'd like to learn more about what Matt thinks a dark fucking room actually is, you can check out our main landing and or launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That's all of our previous episodes, all previous 265 episodes before this week, all available right there with descriptions of how Matt likes to have sex in dark rooms. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, I, but I don't see myself. I mean, if, I'm just saying. If you'd like to get more information about why Matt loathes himself and hates his face so much, he won't even put it on Facebook for all of you. You can check out our Cinema PsyOps group and ask him all sorts of questions in the group. Although he won't respond to that. You can also try messaging him through the messenger for Facebook. He is Matt PsyOp on there. He's also on Facebook. And by on, I mean he shows up occasionally during shows as Matt PsyOp. And I am also on Facebook as Court PsyOp, so you can get a hold of me there. You can comment there. There's also our main page of Cinema PsyOps on the social media network that is destroying our way of life, that is Facebook. You can like that page there and give Zook a little bit more of your time. Yeah, because that's exactly what he fucking needs. You can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com and get all sorts of tips about how to make a romantic slash non-romantic fuck session happen. Apparently he has a lot of fucking ideas of how that happens. Just get a hold of him at psyopmatt at gmail.com. I think the problem is I don't have any idea about how that happens. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about how to fuck properly, you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt oh at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, right. Let him know specifically you'd like to learn some of his maneuvers that actually do seal the deal and why Matt isn't capable of doing said maneuvers. Fucking Jesus, man. Just fucking all over me today. What the fuck's wrong with you? You can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that is Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. I did, I'm not the one who almost burnt down your kitchen. Don't get mad at me. I'm not even mad at her for that anonymous mistake, and we got to take it care of. I'm still pissed <laughs> off about Ricky. I'm taking my anger about yeah, Ricky don't, out on Don't you. get mad at me because Ricky's fucking up. You can follow us on Instagram, cinema underscore psyops, and by us, I mean me, because I am running that meme factory like this fucking show, which means pretty much I'm releasing something on the regular, and you can count on those tasty-ass fucking memes for me. Yeah. Fucking Ricky, now I'm mad at you, Ricky. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, it is his fault. So, like Matt Psyop's about to do, kick the fuck out of Ricky Morgan, and this weekend, <laughs> make it your bitch. <laughs> You hear me okay? Yep, hear you good. All right. Uh, might as well not, Terry. Let's uh, start recording on your side. Do the clap, all that shit. Alrighty. I am recording. One, two, and three. If you pray, you're an asshole. What? <laughs> if you pray, you're an asshole. Nice you, clip. That's a good one. You, you hear that okay? Yeah, I heard that perfect. Okay. I thought it was you at first. <laughs> okay, then <laughs> that's exactly what I needed to hear. Pray to God. That's what assholes do. <laughs> <laughs> 
right. these days. I got some serious shit to to air on on the show here, so we're gonna we're gonna get going, okay? Oh, holy shit! All right, we're we're all set. We're ready to go. Here we go. Yeah. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna start the review, but if you have something else to say, go ahead. Nope, that's what I want you to do. Start the review. Well, if some fucking Chad survives with the fucking cheerleader at the very fucking end, and this poor fucking kid didn't ask for shit, and he just got fucking murdered all the fucking time. Wow, Matt Psyop, you sure are sounding like a guy who is involuntarily celibate over there, <laughs> using terms like Chad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's real funny, um, when you say what I use the name Chad and stuff. I literally use that because I was thinking of there's an actual uh, I play Friday the 13th video game and there's literally a preppy character and his name is actually Chad. All right. So that's why I used it. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to justify staring at nude beaches with my binocs. Okay. Okay. Um, You can't fucking do that. All right. You (laughs) got to stop that shit. That's a clip. by the way. (laughs) Holy shit. At least you're not like fucking Belushi and Animal House sitting underneath uh, the the fucking bleachers, bleachers you know staring I mean? up under the under the skirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was uh, that that's bad too. <laughs> no, I was under uh, the bleachers smoking substances that are only legal in certain y- states. You weren't aware. You wanted no one above you. You you're like holy shit. Just fucking everyone stay away. <laughs> I was fine with them being above me. I just didn't want anybody coming down and trying to bogart some of my stuff. Don't be a fucking narc, man. Yeah, that too. Don't narc. Yeah, don't narc. Also, none of that ever happened. Yeah, no, of course not. But you wouldn't do anything like that. That's insanity to even speak of. Just like you wouldn't smoke crack outside of church. I would definitely never smoke crack outside of church. Never happened. Never. How dare you? Yeah, you smoke crack in church. No, you said something about crack. Do you have crack? I have an ass crack. Move on. Sorry, I almost lost my cool there. Except yeah. he's like all being Confederate and racist and yeah, lost the war. I, I really wanted to punch him across the face until he dies from it. So that I mean, there you go. There's that. How do you so punch anyway, across someone's face? I just I, uh, I want to punch upon his face. Oh, Better. Oh, you want to box about his face and ears until he is no longer living? Yes, correct. Yes, until his he has shifted from the mortal coil. Oh, you want to stomp him until his entrails are his extrails? Yes, yes, yes. I want his brain to go from the inside to the outside. This is a plan that I feel like many a young man may have gotten suckered into in this day and age when they would have realized, hey, you know, this girl's trying to trap me to raise someone else's baby because she can trust me. Hey, look what happened to Joseph. <laughs> Fuck, well, that, that was the long, that's a long Kong that really fucking turned out. I mean, she really had to just keep lying her ass off about how it was an immaculate conception. I mean, dude, I mean, that went on forever. You ever think at one point she's like, I think this is getting out of control. I'm pretty sure that before her death, she must have realized how far out of control things were getting. (laughs) Wow. Holy cow. It resulted in the, it resulted in the death of her love child. Yeah, in <laughs> a horrific way. Got, poor bastard got nailed to some boards because then, mom it, just didn't want to admit that she quietly well, told okay, someone but, to go before her actual husband. It, in her in in her defense, though, back then, if anybody found out it was out of wedlock, she gets stoned to death. So you know, let's let's be honest here. You, we'd all lie too. So you're saying the long con was just to avoid being stoned to death? Probably. That sounds like a horrific way to die. I mean, there's got to be worse, right? 
There probably is, but not many. <laughs> as long as they're all headshots at the first, it doesn't last that long. Well, yeah, but you know what? That was all the way back then. None of them were good shots. Come on. What are you talking about? Let's move on. We got to get done. All we're right. talking way too long about this fucking movie. Right, which is why the drugs in the rural areas are always hugely marked up and why my childhood was so fucking miserable. I mean... Whoa, hey, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I overpaid for drugs as a kid! And uh, let's be fair, not all drug dealers are assholes, you know, but this guy is. Uh, I would say that if you are selling the kinds of drugs that you knowingly are selling to make sure someone gets addicted... That kind of puts you over oh, sort well, of yeah, the threshold. That, like that if, makes- if you're selling crack and you're selling heroin, you kind of are in a moral area of you could you could try and justify it with your libertarian excuses, but you're preying on the weak. No, that's that is okay. That's that's true. I was talking about like like a weed dealer. I mean, they're probably not totally bad people. But if no, just selling weed. Yeah, if you're I mean, just if you're not selling the hard shit, if you're just dealing yeah. weed and you're not murdering people to stay out of jail for it, then yeah, yeah. you're probably not a bad dude. You're probably just really into fish yeah probably tie-dye we're a lot of tie-dye there's 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 you know the, the fucking you've listened to touch of gray a couple times yeah we get it we get it you we followed it. dave matthews around on tour before he got a little puffy and sounded like he has a squirrel in his mouth when he sings blues traveler was definitely a part of your college experience we get it we understand yeah. you know, you know. <laughs> right we right. get it right exactly <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, she probably like, holy fuck, how do I warn my granddaughter, who I fucking care about, that this lady's a fucking psycho? Well, and, uh, you there, know. there's that, and they also fixed a bell to her wheelchair so that she can continue to run a drug empire. Yeah, that's true. And uh, we all like running, uh, grandma's running drug empires. because I was making a reference to Theo from Breaking Bad and uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, there you go. Um, I never got into those shows. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Jesus. You're only denying always- yourself. Really, I know, I know, I I, I really love to, I but I, I know that I've always heard everyone's said that their voice, they're awesome shows. So, well, you and I, because we've watched the whole of the movie, but at this point, no one knows. Yeah, if hey, they haven't on, seen man. it, Dude, fucking play along, asshole. God damn it, I'm fucking trying here, but I'm still upset about you trying to declare that all women are destroying relationships. Because oh of this my movie. god, I will fucking drown you, and that's a specific threat right there. <laughs> You're going to have a hard time because I'm still rather buoyant, regardless of how much weight I've lost. It's going to look, I'm buoyant too. It's going to look real weird. We're just going to be floating there. I don't, <laughs> try it. I'm just, come here, come here. We're just going to look like two otters floating on our backs, washing food with our hands. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> come here, Clark. I gotta, oh no, I'm tired. I need a nap. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're out and out of time here. All right.
So, like Matt Psyop's about to do, kick the fuck out of Ricky Morgan, and this weekend make it your pitch. Oh, shit. I don't know. Maybe we should change that. Nah, we're not going to change it. It's fine. Nah, fuck it. It's fine. I've stopped recording on my side.